We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening, Michael Stewart. And we're here to look at the Los Angeles Rams. 34-7 victory at the Arizona Cardinals. Big day out there in the desert. Mike, how you doing? 
Hey man, I'm doing wonderfully well, man. I'm doing real good after a nice Ram win. We're Ramily family now, right? <laughs> no, man, I'm excited. Uh, man, been a good week. Had a how's your holidays, man? I had a good one. How about you? I'm doing all right. Just kind of chilling like a villain, getting over this little little surgery thing like it's nothing. You know, that's it. Chilling, like it's nothing. But it was a frustrating week though watching. That debacle on Monday night, and thinking right. you know the Cardinals have been playing better than people realize. They're a better team than people realize. Absolutely, and it looked prime like you know the Cardinals might give the Rams a ride, and guess what? They they didn't. The Rams dominate, and what a turn of events! What were your thoughts on this? What what were you thinking as you're watching this Rams team look completely different from Monday? Well, you're going like. Okay, that's a team we know that they can play like. But at the same time, uh, until it got probably to halftime, it was just kind of, okay, let's see, you know, if we can keep it going. Okay, good series, good series. Okay, score there, score here. Uh, Defense stop them. All right, looks like we're flowing today, flowing today. And they just kept it going. And then at some point, you know, you could just see the Cardinals. They just knew it wasn't going to be their day. And they're just saying, man, we need to get this one over. And they did just that. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what to say about it. Kind of caught off guard. The Rams, this is their first complete win this year. There's not really yeah. a complaint. If you want to complain about some things, they're gonna, the things you're going to expect, David Edwards gets four penalties today. Maybe more by the time I just lost count at some point. That's it's going to happen. He's a young player. He's He's in there starting. He's getting used to things. He's... That's going to happen. It's just going to happen. I, I can't. I'm not going to map the guy. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to spend the whole, the whole show venting about him. I'm going to say that he better keep growing though, because this Rams offensive line it needs to be what it is now. In other words, it needs to be this. Those five guys, probably minus Whitworth next year. So four out of your five guys, if you want to keep your your payroll low and you want to keep this this organization flexible to make some moves. They, they they can't be out there drafting a whole new offensive line this offseason. They don't have the cash for it. They need these guys to develop, but they need to do it now. They can't wait until they can't wait through an offseason like they do with, with Brian Allen and Joe Nopum. So I thought it was a step forward today. I thought that the Rams went out there and reminded people of what they can be if they establish a running game if they establish play action, if the defense is playing up to par. And I know, again, some folks are like, well, it was the Cardinals. Well, those Cardinals were 15th in rushing and 18th in passing coming in the game. Middling, i.e. not horrible. They were a decent team. And they have been. They should be probably 6-5-1 entering this game. They're, they have been in every game except for one at the end. And yep, that was the no same. Doubt. And they went into every game Every game, except this one, going into the fourth quarter. They, they fell apart against the Saints, but they're a better team than people realize, and they're going to be a problem in the future. So, yeah, Mike, how do you evaluate that? How do, how do you put this all together? Well, you know, the thing is, as we see different teams just play better against different teams, and it comes down to those matchups. I mean, we look at the uh, Dallas and who they play uh, on, was it the Bills? Cowboys, Bills? Yeah, yeah, 26 15 yeah. Bills went over Cowboys. Yeah, you know, so you look at that game, you go, oh, Dallas should, you know, take care of the young rookie. Uh, 
quarterback and Allen, no no problem. But then it's just like, no, Dallas just couldn't get anything going, couldn't couldn't really do anything, couldn't couldn't mount an offense, and you know here here they lose, and now they're talking about Jason Garrett's job again. But you look at this game, and it just seemed like the Rams just matched up. Uh, you know, there was a play where Kyler Murray looked like he was going to escape outside and. And I believe it was Littleton. He just closed the ground, the grass on him, and he couldn't get outside like he usually would on some other team. So when you have guys at the linebacker position that we have that can run, you know, that was able to negate some of the things that he would normally be able to do. And then once he figured he couldn't really outrun him to the outside, you know, then he was trying to stay more in the pocket. But, you know, uh, the defense we were running today, you know, I'm going to go back and look and see, but it looked uh, remarkably tighter. You know, there wasn't a lot of guys just wide open, blown coverages. So, again, you're talking about, you know, now Jalen Ramsey being there a couple uh, weeks. Uh, Obviously, you got the young gun and Taylor Rapp. You know, now he has a number of games under his belt, even though he's still a rookie. Uh, so, and we got the big acquisition, Weddle, who's, you know, coming over, but asked to do some different things, uh, that I didn't see him really doing in Baltimore. So you kind of put all those things in, man, we just seem to match up really well today. And we just were hitting on a number of cylinders. Just to kind of explain those cylinders. Here we go. Team stats, Rams, 27 first downs, 13 for the Cardinals, eight of 15 on third downs. Let's just throw a party in that side alone. They've been so off on third down this year. Uh, that's a huge improvement. 2 of 13 for the Cardinals. Cardinals are 2 of 4 on fourth down. The Rams are 0 for 1. Total yards, 549 for the Rams. 198 for the Cardinals. That's total and complete domination. Rams, 76 plays to 61. Total yards rushing, 32, 132 for the Rams. 74 for the Cardinals. Um, net yards passing, 417 on 33 of 45. 33 or 45, and uh, 124 in terms of yards, 19-34 from, from the Cardinals. Going down, the Rams punted four times, 41.3 average. The Cardinals punted seven times. The turnover battle, no one turned the ball over fumbles-wise. The uh, interceptions, though, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Penalties, 8 for 81 for the Rams, 2 for 7. Here's the key stat. Something you and I talked about. Time possession. Rams, 34 minutes, 37 seconds. 25-23 for the Cardinals. Totally, completely different in terms of how it's been of late. The individuals, Jared Goff, 32-43, 424, two touchdowns. Sacked once. Kyler Murray, 19-34, One interception. That was Taylor Rapp, and he took it back for a pick six. And that number also is Underinflated. We'll talk about that. Keyword penalties. Todd Gurley, 19 for 95. What can we do to get this guy 100 yards? Jeez. Malcolm Brown, 6 for 30. Darrell Henderson, 4 for 17. Uh, Gurley had a touchdown. 13 for 31 rushing uh, for Kenyon Drake. David Johnson, 4 for 15. What's going on with, with Derek John- uh, David Johnson out there in Arizona? I don't know. Receiving Robert Woods. 13 catches for 172 yards, long of 48, targeted 19 times. Obviously, the game plan was for him. Tyler Higby, 7 for 107. Huge, huge sideline catches. Game one of the best catch throws I've seen this year. 26 long total. 
Cooper Cup, 6 for 65, a touchdown. Josh Reynolds, 4 for 39. Brandon Cooks, 2 for 24. Todd Gurley, 1 for 20. On the other side, Larry Fitzgerald, 6 for 56. And uh, looking here, anything else is pretty important. Corey Littleton, 8 tackles total. 6 for Troy Reader. Sacks for Sebastian Joseph Day, Corey Littleton. One and a half for Donald, one for Dante Fowler, half for Brockers, one for Clay Matthews. So it's a party back there in the backfield, six sacks overall. Twelve tackles for Buda Baker, and eight for Tremaine Brock, and eight for Patrick Peterson. Bad sign when you're seeing those tackles in the secondary. So, Mike, that was a lot of talking. Whew. A lot of talking. What do you take from all those numbers? Well, collectively, outstanding game. Collectively, just Truly, as you use the word dominance, uh, like that word in this situation, they just somewhat controlled the tempo, controlled the game. I mean, little things to me to stand out in regards to time and possession in the sense of they, you know, us Rams had the ball first half, basically 20 minutes to about eight to nine minutes for the opposing team. It's hard to win a football game when the other team has it pretty much the whole first half. So what that only not only does is you make sure that we're having more opportunities to score. Obviously, it cut down on their ability to get anything going at any level. So, you know, when you watch this Cardinal offense, a lot has to do with the, you know, quick passing game. And it's really, you know, somewhat up-tempo, moving but when you're basically going three and out, uh, it just throws everything out of rhythm. And then you could see uh, Kyler Murray when they were panning to him on the bench that he just had that look like, man, there's nothing working today. And once that happens, it, it makes it tough for another team to really mount what we would call consider a comeback. So that was huge. One of the things that did stick out to me, you hit on a little bit, was the penalties. You know, I think it was 8 for uh, 81. You can't have that many penalties in a, in closer games, you know, for, you know, when you're trying to win as Rams are trying to pretty much win outs to secure a playoff berth. But you just can't be in a tight game with that many penalties. So, as you said, a lot of those are on the young gun. Uh, one of the great things I pull out of that is, if you look at those guys that are playing now uh, as they continue to improve, when we get those guys like Denby and Haverstein and, and Gerald Everett back, uh, we're going to be able to now have real depth in our offensive line. You know what I mean? So now we go from, hey, you know, the line is not the strong point that now these guys are getting real playing time, real experience. Now come next year, you have a solid core line with your starters and your backup. So that's exciting to know. Well, I would also say this. Four of those eight were on David Edwards, and there was one penalty called on Okoronkwo, which was one of the worst penalties I've seen this year. And that opened a whole other can of worms. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to talk about that. But you know what? Two penalties took away major, major turnovers. The interception for Ramsey... And right. that and that one was a eh, questionable, questionable pass interference. The other one was the uh, who else had the interception there? It was one for it was one Rep for Rap. Rap had, a, Rap had yeah. one ten one too. And so 
there were a lot of really questionable things in this game that really could have made it worse. This game could have easily been a 41-7, game. Penalties cost them. And in fairness, the penalties that were called, the Rams in the situation, were, at least two of them were, really, were, were bad calls. There was the intentional grounding on Jared Goff, which made absolutely no sense. It was a, it was a, yeah, I don't know. You know, I can, I can see if, if they were calling it where the ball actually hit the ground. Yeah, that wasn't, but clearly it was going over the head of a guy in the area. So that's what I couldn't understand. Like, okay, you guys are calling where the ball is actually hitting the ground, not the trajectory of the ball in the direction it's going. So yeah, that was just like, man, I'm like, man, these officials, boy. But anyway, I have my feel on officials this year. Well, that's the thing. I guess we could take it there a little bit. Um, it bothered me. and I think you've known me long to know that I have a problem with NFL fishing. It's not, this is not a Rams bias thing. I think it's just awful, period. And that's something to be done about it. And... We've talked about it, right? You know, you know that I am in no way, shape, or form going to be going to lie or, you know, back, you know, kind of just be a Rams homer and only side with the Rams on call. So I'd be one of the first to tell you that the pass interference call in the, in the championship game was a bad call. And so my gripe with Saints fans over that is not the fact that the Rams got away with that it's the fact that they throw a pity party over it and ignore the fact that they could have beaten the Rams at any point earlier in that game. They could have put that game away. The Rams owned them from the from the second quarter on. They could have put the Rams away. It never been a question. And instead now we they place the asterisk next to the Rams name in the the book of history that the Rams basically got away with it. It's garbage. Why can't we all say bad officiating is bad officiating? Yeah, and and I think what's really adding to that is the fact that you have all these instant replays. You have these different angles of cameras, and you can see every ounce, and you can slow it down, and you can reverse it, go for it, reverse it. No, I think it actually did hit the turf. You can't see all those plays in real time. You know, so... You know, if we had instant replay as they did now, the immaculate conception never happens. That, you know, you'd easily be able to say, man, a ball hit the turf or, you know, all those different things. And so at the end of the day, I think what's making it worse is, you know, officials, one, seem to be trying to overcall and then not call anything at other times based on, well, the replay is going to do something, so maybe I don't need to make sure I'm in the right position. Maybe I don't even need to make the call because they'll catch it if I'm wrong as opposed to catch it in real time and just call a game, you know, as we coaches, players, fans, just call it fair. If one team has 12 flags and the other team has one, Okay, there's no way that could be. You know what I'm saying? So just call the game fair. You know, don't have whatever your your biases are. You're mad at a guy. He said something to you the last time you ref the game, and you're going to stick it to him. Uh, but that's the part of the human error that comes into the game. And even with these replay booth officials, 
they don't even seem to get it right. So that's why I'm like, man, just take away replay. Let's just go back to real life time. And a everybody just take it as it gets called against them. Well, that's what they're doing. I think the addition of more rules is you're exasperating the problem, exasperating the problem. Yes. You are, you are putting so much more in their brain. They have to try and remember because of it, instead of just going to flow of the game. And, and of course, when you rely on basically technology to be your eyes, you're not going to be as sharp anyways. I just don't see... I don't see how the NFL can continue to think that what they're doing is working. And that's by... Right. Well, but here, get this. Late in the game, when the Okoronkwo sack was called a penalty for roughing the passer, which was an absolute horrible call. I have never seen such a poor call on... They're basically punishing the kid for an explosive play. He didn't. Right. He didn't drive Murray to the ground. He didn't do anything that was remotely illegal. Didn't. He didn't go helmet to helmet. He didn't throw him around. He didn't do anything like that. And that's where the callback. The which interception did that callback was it? The rap interception or the Ramsey interception? One of the two. Yeah, I believe it's uh, it was one of the two. Okay. Right. And I I actually wrote about it being a horrible call. And into our Twitter timeline comes this flow of seven or eight Saints trolls. Here they come. Basically saying we don't have a right to talk because of what happened in the cover game. As if the Rams have never had a bad call go against them before January of 2019. Right. Seriously, do you know how many bad calls have hurt the Rams over the last decade alone? So just game-breaking calls. But you you know what? You never hear Rams fans talking about it. You don't hear us talking about all the calls from that Saints game that were not called. Right. The golf face mask. The dude stomping around right. a Rams player's head. Right. Right. Like, are you serious? We have the photograph. We can show it to you. <laughs> do we really need to do that? You're going to want about that. And then you're going to want it. Are you just like you ignore the 2009 championship game where pretty much everything hurt the Vikings as if you're going to ignore all the bad calls that went against the Vikings in that game. Right. Are, are we right. serious? Here's the reality. You're, you, you played the game. You're a fan now. You were a fan before. I've been following this team my entire life. And I, I don't think any fan, anybody who's part of an organization wants to have a special year marked with an asterisk saying, well, that's the year that they went to Super Bowl only because of a bad play. Nobody wants that. You think Rams fans are happy that their run the their teams run the Super Bowl was marred by that? Do you think would Saints fans be happy if, they, if if it was flipped and it's how they got the Super Bowl? They might feel cool with it, but deep down it's in the back of your mind that hey, these knuckleheads believe we didn't deserve to be there. If you were a player, how would you feel as a player if that's how the talk was going? How would you have felt? Yeah, and and you know what's interesting is because it wasn't like that play happened in the end zone, right? Yeah. So let's say he makes that catch, and then whatever happens on the next play, a fumble, an interception, you know, block field goal. I mean, if it happens in the end zone, okay, you might be able to say, oh, man, that was, you know, that was the last play of the game, and, you know, clearly pass interference, man, they cheated, you know, oh, man, they just gave him the game. Okay, but he wasn't in the end zone. So 
no one knows what would have happened on the very next play. You know what I mean? Bad yeah. snap, again, fumble, interception. You don't really know what's going to happen. All you feel like is, oh, man, it was because of that play, but whatever, let's say they ran 125 plays. So what happened on the other 123, you know? So so I just, it's it's just always hard to say. And, and, you know, I went through the ups and downs this year at the high school level. But what I've, I knew going in is since I've been playing Derek Ciapala and the rest of the Ram fam and everybody else community, there's never been a game where you're yelling from the sideline, "Hey, come on, ref! You gotta, you gotta make that." They haven't changed the call. It's only now with some of this instant replay, they may reverse a call. But in real time, the officials call it like they saw it. They're not gonna go, "Oh yeah, you know what? You're you're right, man. That was a face mask, even though I didn't call it." No, they called it in real time. So if they would have saw it, they would have called it. You know what I mean? So they're not really going to just change their mind because you're yelling at them, telling them, hey, man, you missed it. It's just never happened. And then here we are, even almost a full season later, still talking about it. And we're right. totally at the top of the actual game. We should go back to that. But I'm just trying to point out that the Rams took – the Rams had a, a couple major calls against them that had this game been closer – it would have seriously hurt them. They lost. They would yes. have lost one pick six. They would have lost. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the possession where we're the intentional grounding that was one they made up for. Thank goodness. But two turnovers alone, one off a bad call, one off a questionable call. That's yes. That's reason for any fan to be like, listen, this happens a lot. The, ha- the Browns Steelers game today was bad. They right. gotta fix this. They have to fix it. And until they do. We're going to have controversies like this, and the way the NFL keeps reacting is the same way. It's insanity, literally. The definition of insanity is, you've heard this before, right? You do the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. That's, but that's what we're getting, the right. same thing. And what the way they do, they go out and they pass a rule. Pass a rule for this, pass a rule for this, pass right. a rule for this, and it doesn't get any better. Why? Maybe your methodology is not working. Yeah, and so... I don't know if you've heard one of the latest things is, I guess, being tossed around because of they moved the kickoff up and kick up forward. So there's not really many kickoff returns. So now they're trying to go to, well, maybe we'll go to some four down format that we'll put the ball at fourth and 15 and like you could go for it to substitute for now the kickoffs going out of the end zone pretty much every time. I'm like, okay, who starts coming up with this stuff? If you want to just do something, just move the kickoff back the five or 10 yards that you had it so that there's kick returns again. But again, with the whole idea on the, you know, concussions and different things, you know, that part of the game is probably gone forever, but it's just, you know, I understand the safety. Believe me, you know, ten-year guy that plays safety had my my collisions, number of collisions. So I get it. But my thing is, the integrity of the game that's known as football. It's like, okay, we got to maybe make a decision on really what we want this to be. But n- now, when you keep seeing, you know, 
the retired officials now are kind of these officials on the side. Well, what did you see, Mike Pereira? Well, you know, I saw that, you know, well, I think it's like, okay, why are we adding more of this stuff in? Like, but you guys didn't like the XFL, <laughs> but that's what we're getting to. <laughs> And it's coming back again, too. The you know what I mean? Exactly. Well, so yeah. we want to move on, but I, I, I we wanted to, I kind of wanted to flip this. I wanted to talk about the actual player performances first. We kind of flowed into it. And a lot of it just comes from be glad, be lucky that it was a blowout today. Because if it wasn't, we're going to go back. We would have gone back to this game and been pretty upset, possibly, about how things turned out. Because the officiating was atrocious. Atrocious. And a couple of those calls were calls that really are not fitting whatsoever for what you would want for an NFL game. It's just not good. All right, folks, we do have a sponsor, and that is Jim Hawk. I want to give thanks for, for to Jim for all the work he's done for with us and for us over the years. And his book, in case you miss it, covers a lot of Rams history. A ton. It's Hollywood team, great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It covers the 1953 and 1907 seasons with, with Jim's dad, John, his offensive lineman on that team. It's John's story about this team play for this era of glitz, glamour, future Hall of Famers, players like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter, all in the stories from the 1950s Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood Team. It's available both a hardback, electronic form, and... Right, paperback. If you you paperback readers out there, you can also find us elsewhere on the internet. Folks have read cover to cover, cover to cover, and the fifties were a really interesting era for the Rams. Check it out. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries out there in the LA area. It's worth it, folks. Hollywood scene, great glamour, and nineteen fifties Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hogg. Okay, should I just just go ahead and get all the ads out now, just to just to flow us right out of here? That sound good? Get them. Yeah. Get them. Okay. All right. So we are always looking for sponsors here, but most importantly, we we really want feedback from you. We are doing contests on Apple Music, 200 five-star reviews. Once we get there, we're going to go ahead and send out a, i.e., it's for a personalized Rams jersey on NFLshop.com. That's how you do it. Go leave a review, five stars, over for Rams Talk Radio Send us an email at ransom1945gmail.com with a screenshot of that entrance, and that will enter in the contest, okay? And then we'll also read your feedback on the show. Again, it's one of the 200. That's when we'll do our drawing. And finally, don't forget us on all these different places, including SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Music, like we just talked about, iHeartRadio, where everywhere podcasts can be found. It's been, a, it's been a privilege and a pleasure. Now, this is our what, f- our third full season podcasting, and we did a trial run in 2016. So it's been pretty good, pretty good experience for us. Finally, watch out our sponsor, my bookie. Check it out. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. 
Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they'll give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, going back to the game here. Mike, who was your star of the game? Star of the game? Uh, man, you know, man, you asked a defensive guy that. Uh, I would say a defensive guy. But uh, I'm going to say, you know, Robert Woods in the sense of getting open, making some great grabs. Uh, you know, golf was, you know, putting it in some tight spaces. But, you know, he was also making some terrific catches as well. And runs after the catch, you know, on some of those shorter passes as well. So uh, my player of the game today would be R. Woods. Mr. Woods. Well, my player of the game is Jared Goff. I've been hard on Jared a lot recently. All of it deserved, in my opinion. But what we saw today from Jared Goff was what we know he can be. He goes 32-43 again for 424. Two touchdowns, gets sacked once. Specifically, watch the game. I saw him taking charge. He seemed more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. We saw him. <laughs> You'll like this. Remember this now? Maybe you should change your mind, Mike. You, you helped spring your guy. He did. Goff he lays the block, block out. He lays out that yes, block to spring Robert Woods on, the, on a screen. Yes, he did. Yes, he, did he did, and it was the first time I've really seen Goff aggressively go for that. And I don't blame him, by the way, for not doing that. But he... Made more plays on the move, rolling out, made better plays. And some of his passes, especially the sideline pass to Higby, they were reminders of how good he can be, especially when given time. But here's the kicker. Goff was pressured today. It wasn't running for his life, pressure every down like we've seen at times this year, but he was pressured today, and he just played better. Well, I think a lot had to do with, you know, the running game was working. So a lot of stuff they do is off the play action. So that was really effective today uh, for the Rams and especially Jarrett and able to, you know, he just kind of got into a flow. And I would imagine it's just like a boxer. You get into a flow early on in a boxing match, even though you might get hit with a punch that usually may have knocked you out had you not been in the flow. But the fact that you're in the flow, you just shake it off like, yeah, I'm here. That didn't hurt me. Man, I'm going to knock you out anyway. And that's kind of how Jared looked today like, hey, man, I'm in my rhythm. I'm hitting these guys. I'm moving around a little bit better. Uh, so all the things that in past games were seemed to just taking him, taking us just way under, this game it had little effect. And that's a great point. So going back to other games in the past, both the 2017 and 2018, when Goff has struggled, the Rams always seem to help break him out of the struggle by getting him in some kind of flow. Whether it be going back to the running game, game that started first, and then going out back in the passing game. Other times, they would go into a hurry, a two-minute offense. It didn't matter if it was early in the first quarter or early in the second quarter, midway through the third quarter. They would just brush in, go into a, a third, uh, two-minute offense, 
and he would just get into a flow. And this year, they, they'll do that. They really haven't done well at all in terms of helping him get into a flow. My criticism would be, at this point, being a fourth-year quarterback, you should be able to be more of a self-starter there as well. But you you got to give credit here. I mean, 32 of 43, by far, percentage-wise, is best of the year this far. He looked like the golf that we know he can be. And again, people are going to say, well, it was the Cardinals. Fine. That's, I know, a horrible pass defense. We get that. 31st in the league. They're awful. We know. Okay. But they also were putting pressure on him. They were. And so he just. Well, I mean, think about it, Derek. You can say it's the Cardinals, but what if we would have stunk up the game against so-called porous pass defense? You know what I mean? So I I guess you could say, oh, but I go, man, that's an NFL defense, NFL team. Exactly. So exactly. say what you want. Yeah, somebody's got to be 30-something because there's that many teams. So everybody's not going to be tied for first place. That would mean nobody would have any wins. So at the end of the day, it's, it's yeah, I get it. You know, you could say that, but, man, what if that doesn't happen? Then you're going to be like, oh, man, you know, this guy's horrible. But I like what you said, Derek, the fact that uh, just getting him in rhythm and going back and doing some things that he was good at. So props to him, props to him for responding. And it's the first time really I've seen the leader come out in a while. A lot of people are criticizing Goff just on leadership alone. And they say, well, the, the counter argument that I'm seeing a lot with fans is, well, he's a laid back guy, so on and so forth. No, nobody wants to hear that. You're the quarterback. That's why you're paid the big bucks, to be the leader on the field. And that's what he was today. And because of that, he deserves that credit, star of the game. Do you have a goat for the game? Uh, before we get to go, I want to throw something out to you real quick. Sure. What made Peyton Manning such a great quarterback? Peyton Manning was a great quarterback because he was able to... Are you, well, hold on. Are you talking on the field or off the field? Let's go there. Let me, let me clarify. On the field. On the field. Let's clarify. On, the, on field, the field. What made Peyton Manning a great leader on the field was that when he walked onto the field, you knew he was in charge of the hell. And everything was going to be okay. Now, specifically, did he get calls from the sideline or did he make his own calls? Oh, boy, you're making me go dig deep into he. He got calls from the sideline and he made his own calls, but he made a lot of adjustments at the line. Omaha, Omaha. There you go. So my point is that hasn't been afforded to Jared Goff yet for some reason. Now, I don't know if it's because, you know, as the league calls – McVeigh, Wonder Boy, you know, and he wants to just make sure he's calling the game plan because that's what he does. He's an OC guru. I call plays and I make it happen. You know what I mean? But what if golf had the ability? So, you know, one of the things I noticed in the game was that even when uh, Jared, they call a timeout, he would walk to the sideline. You know, Coach McVeigh was still giving him the plays and he just kind of turned back. And even as he's walking back to the huddle, He's sending it in still over the microphone, uh, you know, through their quarterback microphone and earpiece. So I'm just wondering if he's afforded more luxury in calling his own plays, if that would be something he's able to do or is it something they're not trusting him to do yet. But when I look at a breeze, when I look at Brady, obviously when Peyton Manning was playing, you know, you look at uh, – 
while I'm drawing a blank, uh, my man in Kansas City, he's able to seem like, you know, call out of his plays. Even Garoppolo up at Frisco seems to be able to get in there and, and make those audibles and things like that. So it'll be interesting to, to see in regards to those type of things. Now, to your first question on the GOAT, I don't have a GOAT for this game. Okay. Guess what? Yeah. I do. What's that? Who do you I have? Do. The officials, Dagnam, they drove me nuts this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> and by the way, it could have been the other way around, too, and I feel the same way. You know that about me. I am a stickler for officiating because I'm I'm a big firm believer that it affects the quality of the game, the integrity of the game. But we already talked about that. I want to rewind a little bit what you're saying about Goff. Don't forget, Goff does make audibles at the line. He does make changes. Yeah, I see those, but I'm just saying sometimes if you're able to just go out there and run off a set of plays on your own, you know, that just kind of, but, you know, again, you know, is has he been in the classroom enough for him to say, hey, man, you got the wheels, you got the, the steering wheel uh, for this series, just call whatever you see, you know, go call it. No, I don't know. Whoa, 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 hold on here. Listen, I'm just going to point this out, and I'm not saying yes or Let's no because I don't know. But if you are in your fourth year in the NFL, your third with this right. head coach, right? You better have the authority to do that by now. You shouldn't well, have you Sean McVay think? sending you in with every play, and you can't handle life without Sean McVay. And by the way, but maybe it's, it's not his call. Maybe it's not Sean McVay's call. So it's coming from above him. No, maybe it's maybe it's not Golf's call. Maybe Coach McVay wants to make sure he's in control of the car. Well, and that might be the and. Well, but what I'm saying is, if it's not Golf's call, then my question would be, why isn't it Golf's call, or why it hasn't been Golf's call? This is his third year in the offense. He should exactly. be taking more and more control of the offense, and that's a great question that. Hopefully we can see as we've been going through film. I, I just we've really been digging. Through. I'm not sure if we'll have the entire full site done by the time Wednesday comes around. We're going to talk with a couple of folks this week about uh, what they've seen, especially a former quarterback, and get their perspective of it. But Tommy and I are taking the film site on golf pretty seriously. I would say that if he's not, we need to ask why. We really do because. If you are a quarterback in the NFL, especially one with so many different weapons, but you have to make so many different plays in a hurry, if he's not, then is it because he's not reading well at the line? Is it because he's not doing the homework at home? Is it because of something else? Or is it because Sean McVay is unwilling on his own personal level to allow that? Or is it none of those things, and, and it's already been passed over, and and Jared Goff has all the power in the world to make those calls. But, you know, for going back in the first quarter, two wide receiver screens on third down inside the 20-yard line, I don't know. I'm not sure. I wonder who, I wonder who makes those calls, <laughs> you know. So well, I guess we'll find out. But I don't, I don't want to linger on too much because – you know, Goff played well tonight. He he played like the quarterback we know he can be, and hopefully, this is the starting point for this offense to really begin rebuilding itself and finding who it is again. Because they really, I mean, they needed a game like today. Honestly, the, the Rams needed a game. 
you need to have a blowout once in a while. Something to go, you know what? This is who we are. Instead of just trudging your way through just war after war after war after war like they've been through much of the season. <laughs> well, I was just thinking because when you look at some of these offenses, the way they're being ran, you know, the 49er offense, it's more of this hurry up, no huddle situation. Patrick Mahomes and KC, you know, even somewhat the uh, young gun with the Jets. Uh, all these guys are playing in the offense, even Kyler Murray for that fact. They have to know a certain number of plays on their own to come up to the line, you know, Deshaun Watson in Houston, you know, and the list goes on. You know, all these quarterbacks in the present day offenses are running this somewhat sugar, no huddle, hurry up, you know, get more plays in type of offense where they're calling plays at the line of scrimmage. You know, even though we go no huddle at times, we did a little bit today or hurry up, as we call it, uh, right before the half. Uh, It just seems like golf doesn't have that ability to do that on his own. I mean, he's still getting all the calls for the most part with obviously some audibles. He's able to audible at the line. I see him checking and doing some things, but it just doesn't seem like he has the flexibility that some of these other quarterbacks have in their offenses. So I would just be curious to know if what I see, because like I said, when I see the timeout, he walks over, coach is talking to him. Then as he's still walking away, he's still giving him plays. And I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting. So yeah, curious. And maybe it's more of a conference. Like you say, okay, you know what? I'm seeing the line. I don't like it. What, what, what do you think is the best avenue here? We don't know, this is where I wish, you know how the um, Amazon has that series, All or Nothing? Yeah, yeah. And the Rams were on 2016. This is actually the season I wish they were on it. You know, we'll, we'll find some stuff on Mic'd Up to see, you know, players who, some of the things are talking about. But I would have loved to have been more involved in that locker room this year, seeing something as to how this team has been run. Because... There are so many different questions I would have about where this team is going for the future, the way they, with how their salary cap is structured, with the decisions they're making in on offense, the line, why it really is to them such a difference when you have, uh, I mean, a 10-point-per-game difference offensively entering this game compared to last year to this year. 10 points per game. So what... Yeah. Because all we ever get are the stock answers. And you can usually glean a little bit from some of the answers they give in, in the press conferences. But I would really like to hear them give more. And he said something last week that actually irked me. And I, and I took some heat for it on the Rams talk feed when I said it. And he said something along the lines of, We're, we are not going to let this loss destroy our season. Or something like that. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, but I'm sitting there thinking, or take the season out of our hands. Something like that. You already did, though, because you lost this game and you lost the previous four when you have a tough four games at end of the year. You already put yourself behind the eight ball by getting yourself two games behind the next person, the next team, sorry, in the race. Your fate is out of your hands. If you want to say, 
hey, look, we are not going to let this loss destroy our future or tear us as an organization. That's fine, but don't tell me that you're not going that you are not going to let this loss take basically take your fate out of your own hands. You already did that. Be honest with who you are, and that's some of the problem that I've really had with the Rams this year overall is they just aren't transparent enough with. Well, I mean, obviously the media, but also the fans. You're trying to draw people into your stadium to go buy at PSLs. You're going to get a lot further if you dissolve them. We have no idea what they're doing with this payroll right now. We have suspicions. We think by reading the tea leaves on and on Spot Track, we we think we have an idea, but we don't know. A little more trans, a little bit more transparency, I think, would go a, a long way. Well, I mean, I'm sure they got to play some things. You know, they don't want other sure. organization to get a leg up on what they're doing, but. I, I like I was saying earlier. I think that these young guys who are playing now, they're gaining valuable experience. You know, even though it's somewhat some tough growing pains, but just all things being considered, they finish strong. The guys come back next year that were out. Uh, now you have what is a solid young starting and backup line that now should be one of the better lines now going forward for some time down the road. You have a lot of the, you know, Aaron Donald signed. Now the question obviously will be, you know, is Jason, is Ramsey, uh, excuse me, uh, a long, Jalen, is is he a long-term play or is he just a rental for the season? So, some things, but obviously, rap is getting some valuable playing time. You know, you're going to have to have someone to eventually take over for Weddle. So, you have all those kinds of things that are are on the plus minus. You know, Cooper Cuff next year will be more up to full strength. He's getting better and better each week. Uh, this year, obviously, Brandon was back today, second game back, and so. Uh, all these things now are getting back going, and hopefully, it spells things are hitting, you know, stride at the right time. And at this point, all it is is get in the playoffs, and now you got a whole new season. So, you know, I'm looking at it from that standpoint of being, you know, some positive things coming down, and then, you know, figuring it out that, okay, we were able to get to the big game last year. This year, we actually did it up the rough side of the mountain by even trying to get to the playoffs. So you hope all those things will be a benefit when it counts most. And most importantly for this team, can they can they stay the course? And we've been questioning a lot the culture of the team. I think they answered it tonight, at least temporarily. They were together. It was the most complete game the Rams played all year. We've needed to see a game like this, quite frankly. And hopefully hopefully what they're doing is to turn the Baltimore loss into a positive. And then get their heads out of their you-know-where, and we're starting to see this team finally becoming what they we know they could be. Right. I mean, it, it may be too late for a playoff berth, but it could get them set for next year where they really understand where they're going. I mean, that's the hope. I mean, it's just a oh, great absolutely. game today. Yeah, yeah. And and if you can play more of those down the stretch, then, again, you, you have an opportunity. And, again, it doesn't matter how you get in the dance as long as you get in. And if they don't, it's going to stink. But they, they put themselves sure. there. But 
to end the year strong, end the year getting things squared away. Hopefully, get saying you know saying a message to some of these guys who are who uh, weren't. I mean, just didn't have their heads in the game. That what it takes to be a champion in the NFL. It may be worth it in the long run. It might just be. I'm just saying. It might just be. All right. Anything else you want to cover tonight? Was there anything else you had in your mind that you wanted to just get out there? Oh, you know what? Jeez. Jeez. I almost forgot. We had a question just for you, good sir. Okay. Defensive man that you are. You ready? Shoot. All right. Here we go. This came from Kenya Monroe. He was on our show a couple weeks ago for the veteran show, actually. Listen to our pod on Wednesday. And he asked, Can you break down next time why exactly is man better than some versus mobile quarterbacks? I was under the impression if corners are a man with their backs turned to the quarterback that gives them no gives them room to scramble and zone, you're looking at him and it limits that. He asked that question because during our show on Wednesday, we really hammered the fact the Rams played zone as much as they did because they're not a good zone team. They haven't been for a long time. Going back deep into the Fisher years, they've just been awful against the zone. They're not, they traded away their only cornerback who was good in the zone. That was Marcus Peters. And so, really, because we hit on the Rams playing zone so much, he wants to know why man would be better in the situation. Well, the basic the basic two things is zone, you're able to see the ball and see things as it's happening. Man, absolutely, your back is typically turned. But the thing is, everyone is on someone. So if someone gets beat, you know who it is. The thing, what was killing the Cardinals today, they were playing these combo zone coverages. A guy would go across and the guy in the middle would chase someone else and run out of his zone somewhere else, which would now we call that voiding that area or voiding that zone. And then his zone that he was supposed to be in is wide open because of miscommunication. So zone works absolutely stellar if everybody's communicating and actually playing the coverage. Man, it's just like you got your guy. If you get beat, everybody knows you just got beat. So there's no mix-up or mess-up, so things like that. So when you have a situation where you do have a guy like a, a, a Kyler Murphy who can run, if you're playing man, covering up everything outside, inside, but you have to have someone with enough speed who can chase the guy down from what we call a spy position. But if you don't have that guy, you better stay in zone and just try to contain a guy like that or a team like that as opposed to turning your back because that's when big plays happen when you got a guy like, you know, him or you saw, you know, Lamar Jackson. That's what he does a lot of, you know, once he sees nothing is open and he can hit a corner or a scene. Well, by the time everybody realizes he's now running, he's already got 10 or 15 yards on you. So, you got to have some people who can run and spy underneath so when a guy like that takes off, you could at least corral him up before you know he's up 15, 20 yards. That would be the case, though, it, with the Rams being in zone mostly on Monday night, if they have some avenues covered for him, 
then it, but they weren't a great zone team, which they haven't been, then guess what? He's going to get you. And that's what he got in the passing game. Then he'll go right back to the run. There wouldn't have been a guy necessarily designated to him that was a spy because, necessarily, anyways, because he's not man-to-man. It's zone. He's going to be going to a spot. There'll be a player in a spot. My question would be, in this case, if you're in man and in a zone, you definitely have a spot. You definitely have a spy. If you're that spy, let's say the spy is Lilton, and he's following him to, as he's going for the run to the left. What's that spy doing as he knows he's coming to the left? Is, is he yelling out? What's he communicating to his teammates? No, what happens is the spy is a guy who has the quarterback. So yeah. he may be yelling, you know, we may, you know, we had something we would say clear, clear, clear. That means corner or whoever's in man, you know, to come off, you know, a guy's running or the ball's been thrown. Clear just meant, hey, clear, you can clear off your guy and now you can help out underneath or behind you. So you have some different calls, but for the most part, the spy is as soon as you see that guy take off or act like he's taking off, go get him. So, but again, if you're in open field, you better be a heck of a tackler and you better have some speed to be able to close it. But that's where I'm going, though, because the Rams had those things for the Ravens. Rams had speed. They had the guys to be able to pursue. And yet, none of that, nothing was going. So when it comes to the scheme, and the, the Rams ran, ran a zone for much of that game, what happened to where man, because that's what we were saying. We were talking about in the postgame, man to man. That's what the Rams are. A zone's not going to work with them. They ran a zone anyway and got torched. Right. So, so that's the thing when you're like not making adjustments based on the game or based on the per game situation, then that's on the coaching staff. If you're like so dogmatic, no, we're just going to run this. I know it worked. Just go out there and do what I'm telling you to do. And you're going, okay, but this isn't working today. We need to switch it up. Yeah, that's that's then on coaches because they're just reluctant to give in. Because you got to figure some of these guys got big ego. So it's like, oh, that guy can't out-coach me. So I'm going to just stick to what I'm doing. He's just trying to trick me. No, he's not trying to trick you. He's actually whooping you right now. So <laughs> you better change up what you're doing and quit being so stubborn or thinking your system is superior. So that's why, you know, I give a guy like, you know, where you love him or hate him, a guy like Bill Belichick, he's able to, and I'm watching him, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but he's like writing notes on little pieces of paper as the game is going on. So whatever he's doing, he's making his own mental notes on each play, what's happening, what happened, and then he, next thing you know, he makes adjustment to that. And again, that's what the great coaches do, whether offense or defense. They're able to look at the game as it's going and make those adjustments. You know, because a game plan is a game plan. But if it's not working on that particular day, you have to be able to make an adjustment. And that's what we were really trying to get. Is they, they saw they're getting burned in zone. They did nothing with it. And this is what happened. That's what we're trying to get at. So, Kenyon, I hope you hope that was a good enough answer. We try getting deeper than we normally would. 
And with that being said, I do believe, good sir, that it is time for us to hit the road. Am I, am I wrong? Is it? I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm tired. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this is time to, I guess, shut it down, as we would say. All right. So as we shut things down, we're looking for sponsors. So reach out to us at ramstop 1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have media kit ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget we are now part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Check out all their great podcasts over there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, on Twitter at DC Paula and Mike Stewart at 1Duke23. Don't be afraid to ask old Mike here some questions on Twitter, guys. Yes, please. Give the guy a reason to interact with you. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, everywhere podcasts can be found. So for Mike and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paula saying take it easy. We'll see you midweek for our next show. We're out of here. We're out. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.